Alright, in this encouragement ministry video, I want to talk about the value of um, orderliness. The value, value of doing things in an orderly way when we get together. This can be one of the contested areas of uh, spiritual gifts in the church. And what I mean by, by that is this. One of the things that can happen when a church starts trying to decide about ways that you're going to do things is that people can begin to be concerned or worry that we're going to quench the spirit. That's often the phrase that's used. You're going to quench the spirit. You're going to make a rule that stops the Holy Spirit from being able to do what he wants to do through somebody. And that is, I think, a legitimate concern. I mean that. I think it's a legitimate concern. And I think what can happen is when... Um, the Spirit is filling people, the Spirit is leading people, the Spirit is moving people. It doesn't always give the sense of things being under control. Sometimes weird things happen. You know, just like weird things happen all the time. And, and churches, uh, normal, regular people who sometimes are weird. And then there's um, big things happening. Um, and so that can kind of amplify it. And so... Um, there can sometimes be a desire to squash weirdness at church um, and to put an end to things that make anybody feel uncomfortable. And I think sometimes, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's presence can be invited to leave or suppressed through how you do things or people's response to things. On the other hand, um, there is a call from scripture to think about what practical ways of doing things you can uh, value and work towards so that the power of the Holy Spirit isn't wasted because of how you do things or disorder. And in a sense, that's the whole point of order. Order doesn't mean clamping down. Order means everything where it belongs, doing what it should so that it contributes the most. So when your body is in good working order, you're healthy, you're not in pain, you're able to go to work and laugh and sing and dance, do whatever you want to do. That's order. When things are able to do what they're supposed to do well, because everything's doing its part. And disorder would be either things not being where they're supposed to be. So all of a sudden your leg falls off and starts connecting to your ear. That's not good. But also disorder would be if things are so restrictive, you can't be who you want to be. So if all of a sudden somebody ties you up in a straight jacket, you know, those things that bind your arms around you and behind you, that in one sense, it could look like order because you can't do anything, but it isn't actually like biblical order because you can't do what you're supposed to do and move your arms. It's restraint into disorder. So order is everything where it belongs, doing what it should so that things are as healthy as can be. That's a good way of thinking about it. And that's what Paul calls the Corinthian church too, because they were a church full of the usage of the gifts of the spirit, but they did it in such a disorderly way that it really wasn't a blessing. And that included having people, a bunch of people just speaking in tongues all at the same time. So speaking in tongues is when um, the speaker is speaking a language of prayer or praise, and they don't know that language. So they don't actually understand themselves what what's coming out of their mouth. The scripture says it is an intelligible language. And maybe somebody who knows that language will understand it. If you think about Pentecost, um, people from all over the world understood the languages that were coming out of the early church members, even though they didn't all know those languages. Um, 
And if you have just a bunch of different people speaking in a bunch of different languages at the same time, that would be chaos. And it was not edifying. Not only did people not understand them, but it seemed just like a mess. And so Paul was concerned that unbelievers would come in and think, you guys, what, what? You think you're worshiping God? This is a madhouse. And so Paul doesn't want the madhouse experience for unbelievers. And even for believers, he doesn't want things to be so crazy that um, the gift that God wants to give to people through the gifts of the Spirit are lost or diminished. And so let's read this passage from 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 26. This is kind of at the end of everything Paul's talking about. And so he's going to summarize by giving a um, some practical help for how they can not lose what God wants to do through the gifts of the Spirit by bringing order, healthy order, to their time together. He writes, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be one, sorry, let there be two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Okay, so I'm going to just press pause there, and maybe we'll deal with the rest of the passage some other day, but... This is what Paul is calling them to. He says, when you get together as a church, everyone's ready to have something to contribute from the Lord. Maybe it's um, a hymn, a song to sing, or a lesson, or a teaching, a revelation, something God has given you, a tongue or an interpretation. Uh, and he says, let all things be done for building up. So there's a the question, like, how can we do this so that people are most impacted for the good without anything being lost because of how we do things. That's the big question. Let it be done for the good. You're all going to come ready to contribute. How do you do this for the good? So when he says, if any of you speak in tongue, let there only be two or at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. So this is the idea. Some people come and they've got the gift of tongue, so they are able to, to speak, to praise or pray in a language that isn't a language they know. And he says, if you're going to do that, just have one person doing it at a time and just a few so that the there there isn't you um, just like a chaos cacophony of noise and also so that it doesn't go on forever. Okay, so, so Paul is actually calling the church to being purposeful and efficient in the use of time. Let two or three do it. Don't just go on forever. Just let two or three do it and let someone interpret. And so here's another gift. So there there's the gift of the Holy Spirit being able to cause someone to speak in a language they don't know. And then there's also a gift of the Holy Spirit being able to cause someone to understand a language that they don't know. And so that they can tell people what was just said there. So someone gets up and they speak in tongues. Somebody else says, this is what they said. They said, praise God, or they said, help me, Lord, or whatever it is. I'm not sure exactly um, what it would be from one moment to the next. It's whatever the Holy Spirit said. But he said, let it be done orderly, one at a time. And just a few, so it doesn't go on forever, and, and an interpreter so that the church is actually built up. And then he even says, if there's no one to interpret, you should keep silent. So, not saying, like, you aren't allowed to talk, but, um, you know, be quiet. If you're going to speak in tongues, just pray to yourself. And Paul, in a previous chapter, said that he that's what he does. If there's no one to interpret, he'll just pray in tongues to himself quietly. So he's not disturbing other people around him, and he's not taking away from what um, the Holy Spirit is doing in a way that, Everyone can be blessed by somewhere else. 
So there's that. And then he goes on to say, um, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So again, uh, a smaller group, so it doesn't go on forever. And with time to weigh what's going on. So it's not just this endless procession. It's not just an assembly line of words. And then he says, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So there's even this sense of um, not having an attitude like, I, I want to go on as long as I can, um, because it's all about me, but instead going, the, the idea being, how can I share this as accurately and efficiently as possible? And then if God starts doing something and somebody else is, is getting stirred, we, okay, I'm going to press pause. I'm going to let somebody else come up so that we can take turns. That's an orderly thing. Taking turns is an orderly thing for the good of the body. And then, then there's just time to weigh things. Um, so this is one of the challenges of a larger gathering of a church is how do you implement this, this process of weighing case because for the church people if people get up and they're um, sharing what they think God is saying that carries weight and you want to take that seriously but you also know from scripture that not everything is bang on and some things are mostly good and need some help and some things are just totally off and so the church isn't called to just receive everything dumbly the church isn't called to receive any kind of prophetic encouragement with without thinking or without having the possibility of weighing. We're meant to believe the, the scriptures without judgment. We're supposed to want to understand it and maybe ask questions to understand, but we're not every line going, is that really God's word? And then is that really God's word? No, this is an apostolic message. This is from the Holy Spirit. And so we're meant to believe it and apply it, but it's not quite the same with a prophetic incursion. We're meant to hear it and weigh it and decide if this really is the Holy Spirit and then, you know, how to respond. And so we're meant to do that. And it's one of the difficult things of a larger gathering where you have 100 people or 200 people in a room. How do you do that well? Because you, because you can't kind of just sit around and just invite, uh, you know, 50 people to weigh in on it. There's an hour right there gone out of a two-hour time slot. So how do you do this faithfully? And so one of the things that we are building the practice into what we do is before people come up, we want them to have at least submitted their word to one person. Um, maybe it's one of our group evenings, you've shared it beforehand and someone's given you a thumbs up or you've connected with a leader to make sure the content is good. So that at the very least, there has been some weighing going on before someone gets up to the large group to share it. Um, because it just isn't going to be possible to, to do weighing in the moment. And then there's going to be some meditating and feedback on it afterwards. So it's just, we want to honor the orderliness. The scripture doesn't say accept every prophecy at face value and just run with it. It says there needs to be weighing. So how can we as Calvary Chapel do weighing in an orderly way that doesn't lose the gift and also doesn't sabotage the gift by having, um, unhelpful stuff regularly presented from the front where people are coming on going, no, that wasn't the Lord. Well, if we can, if we can help people and catch that stuff before it goes up and give them opportunity to reweigh it or reconsider it or whatever, if we can weigh it beforehand, then it actually blesses the ministry by having kind of a, um, the weighing be a part of it before and after instead of just in the moment where it can't really happen. So, but this is for the sake of orderliness so it's done in a healthy way so that what God wants to do isn't lost because of junk happening around it.
which is, I think, what the scripture is calling us to through what Paul told this church. He also says, for all can prophesy one by one, so that all may be may learn and be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So what's that spirit being subject to? So this is how I understand it. Um, what Paul is trying to, to circumvent is that this idea that, you know, the spirit rushed on me and I just had to say it. I just had to get up. I had to speak. I was not in control. And so... And Paul says, if if you have a church thinking, I'm not in control when the Spirit is moving on me, or there's nothing I can do, then that is going to spread chaos. It's going to spread a feeling of chaos, which isn't going to be a blessing to people. And it might scare people off, people that God actually wants there. And so what he says instead is, we need to have this attitude that when God is speaking by the Holy Spirit, he's working with us, and we actually, as much as we're called to listen, we're also, with this help and in community, supposed to think, is this a blessing to share now? Do, am, am I supposed to wait? Should, should I just sit on this for a little bit? And so the Holy Spirit does not override someone's will through the gift of prophecy. But instead, the prophets um, are, the spirit of prophecy is subject to the will of the prophets so that they can work through the best way to present their gift to people in a way that is healthy and orderly instead of um, confusing and chaotic that makes sense so so that idea that you know we cannot constrain the spirit at all or else we'll lose him well the holy spirit himself says in one sense i want you to be willing to use your will to shepherd the gift that's in you to channel the gift that's in you so that it comes out in an orderly way so that nothing is lost because it's confusing or chaotic that's the reality we, we want to use wisdom in order to make the best use of the gift of the Spirit and not feel like if there's any kind of restraint or if my will is involved in the hows and the whens that we present or share, that the Holy Spirit's going to be grieved. He's not grieved. If we're just willing, like, Holy Spirit, I just, I want this to be peaceful because it matters to you. I want it to be a blessing to the leaders and to the church because this matters to you. The Holy Spirit's like, yes, think it through and take a chance and Go for order. That's what I want. I want you to know that this gift of prophecy in you is subject to you so that you can, with my help, make the choice about the best way to present it. So it's not. it doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be right away. It, it, you, you get to use this gift in a way that you can make the mistake of not thinking about what love looks like and order looks like here. And you can have the success of growing in wisdom and figuring out what the most best, uh, most best way is to share this for the good of the church. So looking through this passage, uh, I hear God saying, I've given you tons of gifts and there are ways to express them that are a bit too chaotic and not helpful. And there are ways to express them that em emphasize healthy order so that nothing is lost through clamping down and nothing is lost through um, just chaos. We want to, we want that, that wisdom of a Holy Spirit encounter, Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit word coming through the love and wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the gathered church, because God is a God, not of confusion, but of peace. So this is our value, um, the godly orderliness in the sharing of our gifts during the encouragement ministry time.